0: You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life.
1: It's just great, great to see you guys. Well, I love the Long Beach Church. Uh, There's so many of you. We feel such a connection with you, uh, and I'm just really grateful to be here. Clay and uh, Ken Worthy, I'm just so happy to see you guys and and, uh, see DK. DK's married. Last, Last October, DK and I got to go to Nicaragua together. Um, And let me tell you something, when you're on a plane with somebody for five hours and then in a third world country for three days, you get to know somebody really well. And uh, so DK and I know things about each other that most people shouldn't know. Uh, But it's great to see him married and happy and doing well, which is really, really cool. And uh, so I'm just, I'm really grateful to see all of you guys. And of course, uh, Kennedy Holland uh, just sounded beautiful on that song and leading you guys in worship. It was great, Ken. And... um, so I've known Kennedy since she was born, her and my oldest daughter, JL, uh, were the same age and grew up together, hanging out every single week, and uh, so it's just great to see her. So thank you for taking care of her, and thank you on behalf of uh, Kevin and Trey for doing that. So, all right, so we're going to have a great time today, so everybody take a deep breath, kind of move your arms around a little bit, shake yourself out, so we're going to have fun. Um, I, I, it does not offend me if you talk back to me while I'm talking. Uh, it feels to me like we're having a conversation, so please feel free to do that. You can you know, just comment on, on uh, what we're saying. Uh, if you agree with it, I'd love to hear those comments. Uh, if you're not really in agreement with what I'm saying, keep that to yourself. Uh, but you can write it down and, and email it to Ruben later because he would love to hear that uh, if there's something like that. But. Um, I, it, it, I'm excited about today. So for, if you don't know, I have, uh, I'm in the turning point. I was converted in the central region of the Los Angeles church of Christ in 1993. And, uh, and then a few months later, about nine months later, we, my wife and I moved to the AMS in the summer of 1994. And I have been there ever since. And, uh, and then went on staff there and have been in the ministry there since the year 2000. And I absolutely love uh, our church. I love our fellowship. I love what we get to do together and uh, raise my kids here. I got four kids. My oldest is 21. My son, Jonathan, is 18. And then I got two younger kids. Jacob is 14. And Brooklyn just turned 11. Uh, and so we're doing all that. So, um, I also, I love the, the the going to teen camp every year. So I want to say hi to all the teens. Where's the teens at? Love the teens. Love that. Uh, and all the campus students who I've probably known when you were uh, back in the teen ministry. So raise your hand if you've ever been at teen camp with me, raise your hand if we've seen each other and we're best friends. There we go. Look at all the best friends I have in this room. I love that. That's really cool. So, so, huh? I did. Yes uh so it's mostly just because i'm insecure and i need to feel like people like me so that's why i keep asking these kind of questions just to just to make sure that we get off on a good foot so anyhow i also wanted to introduce you this is my good friend brandon redler and uh, brandon is a new friend actually to me he uh has only been here for a few months but uh, i feel like we've really gotten to know each other uh pretty well and i really appreciate him so i wanted to bring him with me today to be able to share some things with you so brandon maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself
0: Yes, hi. Good morning. My name is Brandon Redler, and I'm also in The Turning Point, but yes, I've only been there four months. I recently moved from Orlando, Florida, which I was part of the Orlando Church of Christ for eight years. That's the church I was baptized in. Um, I work for Disney as a corporate tax accountant, and so I have recently transferred from Orlando to here. That's what brings me to the area. Um, but I am so glad to be a part of Turning Point. I absolutely love California. There's far less rain than in Florida, especially right now. Especially right now, yeah. Um, so, yes, thank you so much for having me today.
1: Awesome. All right, say hi to Brandler. There you go. I, I called you Brandler. I just said Brandler, not Brandon. Brandler, yeah. That's like, that's like a segue into my last name. I yes. It. I like it. It's I your new name. In. Okay, there you I go. It, God makes all things new. All right, so uh, we're really excited to be able to kind of help you start off this series uh, that you're talking about, Elephants in the Room. And I think it's a great thing to talk about because sometimes, you know, you can come to church, and when, when you walk into church, you, uh, many times people will feel like that you have somebody up in front that is just telling you uh, what you need to do, who you need to be, how you need to think, or why you're wrong. And uh, many of us have grown up, uh, you know, going to churches like that or or being being in that situation. And so you can, you know, sometimes when you invite your friends to church, you're like, I don't want to go somewhere where they're just going to make me feel guilty about who I am. Uh, And that's that's a difficult thing for, for people to be able to do. And so I think for you guys to be able to say, hey, my church is having these great discussions about all of these relevant topics. What a great thing that is for you. And it enables you to really share with your friends. Now, if you are here for the first time today, if you're a guest Uh, you know, I I think that this is a great time for you to be here as well. And I really want to just encourage you to keep coming back uh, and keep getting to know the people. One of the beauties of our fellowship of churches is our relationships and the, the, the connections that we have, because we don't just come in on Sunday and say hi to one another and then leave and live our lives separate from this. This does, like Reuben was talking about, this does become our family, and that this is who we are. And so, I want to encourage you to really make make some connections, build some friendships and some relationships, and ask questions. God brought you here for a reason. Somebody invited you today here, uh, invited you here today because God wanted you to be here. And there's some things that he wants you to be able to learn, and so I'm just I'm excited for you for that. But as we head into this thing, talking about kind of controversial topics or things that are out there, uh, you know, in the in the public square and the public discourse today, we're going to dig into the concept of sexuality, same-sex attraction, uh, transgender issues, uh, a lot of these kind of things. And that, uh, many times, I think if you walk into a church, you, you're not sure what you're going to hear if that is the topic. And so today, I'm sure you're a little bit nervous. Is anybody nervous? Don't raise your hand. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm, I'm, you, you nervous, Brand, Brandler? Uh, Brandler's nervous. Uh, so, but both of us are nervous because, I mean, when, when it's, it's a very interesting thing to have to talk about this kind of stuff. But here's the deal. These things are being talked about in our society all the time, every day, every day. And anywhere you go, if you're, if you're on social media, you look on Instagram, you look on Facebook, uh, on Snapchat, all of this stuff is out there all the time. So on our college campuses, in our high schools, these things are a totally a part of the conversation and of our society and the political realm and everything else. And the church needs to be able to speak into it uh, in a way that actually makes sense and also brings the gospel into it. Uh, the, the, the church is not called to kind of um, you know, conform to the culture. The church is called, though, to infiltrate the culture with the love of Jesus. Now, this is an interesting thing, though, because when you get down to these kind of topics, sometimes we, you know, the, uh, historically, uh, Christians of different stripes have, have felt that call to infiltrate, infiltrate the culture as one to go in and condemn the culture and tell them why they're wrong because they're not like us. But that may not be what Jesus actually has in mind for us to do. And so when you're trying to figure out this issue, well, how do I feel about it? How do I talk about it? If my friends at school are talking about it, how do I respond to it? Uh, what, what do I do with that? What do I do if I have a family member uh, that all of a sudden tells me that they are same-sex attracted and then, and then how am I supposed to feel about that? Uh, how do we deal with it in the church when, when someone is struggling with that temptation, uh, and, uh, or, or, struggling with that attraction? And then, then what, what do you, what do you do with that? How do you actually help them? Should you speak into it? And then when does the whole idea of tolerance and in, in, enter into the conversation as well in our society, tolerance is a big thing, right? It's this big word like you, you know, tolerance basically means you have to kind of let everybody do whatever they want to do. And you have to say that you're okay with it. And so what is the difference between tolerance and acceptance? And what is the difference between condemnation and love and some other things? So I wanted to uh, show you this, uh, this slide right here because today I want us to really frame everything in terms of love and the idea of love. And when you love, you listen more than you talk. Have you ever been around somebody that has listened to you so much and you leave the conversation and you don't remember what they said but you remember that they heard you? And you feel loved in that moment. When you love somebody, you understand them more than you judge, and you believe that understanding is more important. Now, if, if we flip this around, then you've got hate, maybe, on the other side of love. Uh, is when you talk, you tend to talk more than you listen, or you tend to judge more than you understand, where you quickly go to judgment or you quickly go to sharing your opinions before you're willing to actually listen and and hear somebody out. And so as we approach everything today, I want us to be able to approach it uh, through this lens of love, if we can do that. Um, So I'm going to back up a little bit. So with that, uh, I wanted to ask Brandon, uh, would you just kind of maybe share with us your story uh, and how all of this kind of applies to you?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And really, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because it is very much a part of, of my story and what God has done in my life. Um, from when I was very, very young, you know, as, as far back as I can even remember, um, I always felt like I wanted to be like a girl. Um, and I also always felt attracted to uh, other boys and girls as well. And growing up, that was just kind of a part of me. It was always just there. I didn't really know where it came from or what to do with it. Um, It was just there, Um, but I quickly kind of got the feeling that, you know, I feel a pressure from others around me that this is not something normal. This is not something that, you know, you really should be uh, talking about and expressing and that, you know, perhaps even people who do express that they feel that way are somehow weird or abnormal. And so I always kept that in on the inside. Um, and as I, I grew up, I started to you know, get into teenage years. I started to realize, you know what, this is very much a solid part of me. It is not going away. It is something I feel very intimately down to my core. And I feel like I have to hide it, and I'm not okay living that way. I'm not okay just feeling like I constantly have this weight on me that I can never share, that I can never be myself. Um, and so I started to, to make friends over the Internet, people that I felt like I could express myself with, um, and that helped a great deal, but it came to terms that, you know, I, I need to be myself, especially, you know, in teenage years, a little something called puberty that happens that the differences between men and women become very, very apparent. And I was not okay becoming a man. That was something that I was not ready to sign up for. I wanted to be seen as, as feminine, as a girl. And I researched this, and the more and more I researched, I saw there are other people who feel this way that they identify as transgender. And not only is there a a, a community of support there, but there's also something I can do about it. I can transition to live as a woman. And so at 16, I came to terms with the fact that that is what I want to do, that I'm not gonna live as a man. I honestly would rather die. Mm -hmm. And so at 16, I I decided that I was gonna do this. Um, And so I started dressing as a woman You know, later on, I I started taking hormones. Um, I went the whole nine yards and had surgery. I mean, I transitioned to living as a woman in any single way that I possibly could. And uh, I I adopted the name Desiree. I was also a Desiree known by Desi. I probably didn't do near as justice as you can, so it's a beautiful name, (laughs) shows it for a reason. But uh, you know, I really felt great about myself possibly for the first time in my life living as a woman and i went to college down in florida i was originally from south carolina so i got to start over and be someone and so i'm going to stand here i keep slowly sinking it's, it's uh it's it's god reminding me that i need to humble myself i'm sure i'm all right but um yeah i'll raise it up and i will just go down again but um You know, in Florida, I could be someone totally new, and I felt great. I had tons of friends around me who loved and respected and supported me in my choice. I was completely open about it, and I felt awesome. You know, I felt confident. I felt really, really great about who I was and who I got to present myself as to everyone else. But you know what? There was still an emptiness there. There. So I had grown up in a non-religious household, so I really never had any kind of real concrete view of God. I really identified as agnostic, thought, okay, there's something out there. don't know exactly what it is, but it probably has very little to do with exactly how I'm supposed to live my life. And that was enough for me for many, many years. And I followed my heart's desires in every way, single way I could. Um, you know, that, that involved being very promiscuous in college with both men and women. And really, that, kinda, that made me feel good about myself. That was a self-esteem thing for me, that if I could be desired as a woman, that that was the ultimate validation that I could feel living as a woman because I was constantly measuring myself up to other women. And so I felt, even after pursuing all of my desires to their fullest extent, any way I could possibly think of to make myself happy and get what I wanted, and I did, I still felt that emptiness. And I knew it was spiritual, Because I saw people around me that at least claimed to have faith or claimed to be Christians, whether or not they were living that way or not, I envied them. Hmm. Because they had something better than I did. They had a higher calling. They had a purpose for living. Me, my purpose for living, began and ended with following my desires. And so I realized that I need to change something because I can't find complete fulfillment in my life without having something spiritual to go to. And I'd actively avoided the Bible. I I really, I had no interest in it because I thought, well, it's just going to tell me I'm going to hell and why would I have interest in that? And so I started, I decided to give it a shot because it's interesting. When you have nothing else to go to, you start to turn to the avenues you thought were least likely. You start to finally consider things you wouldn't have before. And so I started to read in the Bible and his word, God's word spoke to me. It really spoke to me as the truth. It was profound. And then the question became, what does this mean for my life? At first I thought, okay, I could be a good Christian woman. I could do that. If I get married, says so I have to submit to my husband, that'll suck, but I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> but then I started thinking more and more, maybe this doesn't make sense. Maybe God didn't intend for me to live as a woman. And so at that time, I started going to church in Orlando. This is a big step for me. I didn't burst into flames when I went through the doors. That was a good sign. Right. Good. But everyone embraced me. Everyone loved me. You know, I came in in a skirt and heels, mind you, and you know, nothing, nothing had changed yet. Um, but they loved me, and, and with their love and support, I became comfortable with the fact, that, you know what, I, I can first off tell everyone what's going on, and second to say, you know what, I'm willing to do what God wants me to do, because I see enough from his word alone of what he intended me for me to be, which was a man. And so I started studying the Bible, first with sisters, then with brothers. I don't know if any other brother in this room can claim that. <laughs> but everyone loved me. Everyone showed unconditional love for me. And it was with that support that I was baptized eight years again, eight years ago, as a man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and so I made an overnight change to living as a guy. Again, went to Walmart, got some cheap clothes because I wasn't going to spend a ton of money on this. And cut my hair overnight, went from Desiree back to Brandon again, um, and it has been an incredible ride. God has been so faithful to me. Um, my, My desire to be a woman has not changed in any way, shape, or form. It is still with me to this day. I don't expect it to ever go away, but God is amazing. He can conquer anything. And so now he gives me the ability to share this with all of you and with many of our churches around our fellowship. Um, And that is such an encouragement to me that we want to engage this issue and talk about it. Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I just got to say thank you for, you know, thanks for being willing to share this. And, you know, I've heard you share this story several times. And it's always inspiring uh, just to see your trust in the word of God and, and that, that you allow that to change you, you know. Um, I wanted to, you know, we, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I wanted to jump to this, this question and ask you, in as you were going through this process for you um, and thinking, okay, I need, to, I need to go back and live as a man, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later, but I want to pose the question now so that we can be thinking about it. Um, but uh, the, the question is, what did you repent of? Uh, you know, and so as you're, you're figuring out what, what is this exactly, as you narrowed it down to what is it that you had to repent of, um, I, want, I want you to talk about that. But let, let's do we'll, we'll do that. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so let, let me ask you a couple questions that, that I think a lot of people have that would be good to hear your perspective and your answers on. Uh, so the first one just is like, what is LGBT? And I think generally everybody knows about it, but go ahead and talk yeah. about that a little bit.
0: So LGBT stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. And it really is uh, you know kind of the most common labels that would fall into this realm. Um, really, it's two umbrellas. First, there's sexual orientation, then there's gender identity. So the LGB, lesbian, gay, bisexual, would be in the sexual orientation umbrella. Transgender would be in the transgender umbrella. So it's important to realize that they are two very separate concepts. I know the, the letters are all lumped together, Um, but really they're very separate things. Sexual orientation has to do with who you're attracted to, whether that's men or women, or someone who identifies as another gender. Transgender is how you feel about your gender. So again, they're very separate. Someone could be transgender and they could have any sexual orientation. So it's a very um, wrong uh, assumption to assume that, for example, someone who is born a man and wants to live as a woman to assume that they're only attracted to men. I mean, as I shared, I've always been attracted to men and women, um, and it could be just as likely that I would be attracted to men only or women only. Um, And so really, they're very, very separate concepts. And I mentioned these are the most common labels that you see. so in sexual orientation, many people do identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, but there are also people who label themselves perhaps as queer, like they really don't wanna be labeled, they're just somewhere in that realm. There are other labels that they may, less common labels they may choose to apply same thing for transgender. Um, It's really a very, very broad group of people that just experience some sort of discongruence between the sex they were born in and how they experience their gender identity, how they experience their gender internally. And so that could be expressed and manifested in a number of ways. They could simply just want to dress as the opposite sex or maybe act a little bit as the opposite sex or they could feel like I did, and they want to completely change, to transition their entire lives, including their bodies, to live as the opposite sex from their birth sex. So really, it's just important to understand these are different concepts, and they are umbrellas. So knowing that someone is in one of these umbrellas really doesn't teach you anything specifically about that person. You've really got to seek to understand more
1: about exactly where they're at and not just go on a label. Amen. So what, what's it like to be in the LGBT community? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, really, you know, as I as I said, you know, growing up, I've always felt this pressure around me, like you know, somehow I was not normal, that I was weird, um, and there's there's always that tension. Um, certainly, you know, in a lot of mainstream society, there's come to you know, especially in American urban areas like L. A., there's a lot of support for people in the L. G. B. T. community in mainstream society, but certainly that's going to vary by area, mm-hmm. um, and so how much you feel that tension is is going to Gonna vary, but even if you're in an area where you are very well supported, you'll still hear news from all around the world um, about people in that community who are not having as great of an experience, who are being you know perhaps even persecuted violently or lethally. Um, so definitely there's there's a tension there. And There's also there's a great comfort being in the LGBT community because uh, you know like I said when I was a teenager I was able to be around people that I could express myself to, that I didn't feel like I would have to hide anything and people that I know would have my shared experience and, and know what I'm going through. Um, so certainly there there is a lot of camaraderie um, and and really just fellowship mm. within the LGBT community.
1: Okay, that's great. So, right, so here's the question that I think is talked about a lot uh, and that is really hard to answer. I'd love to hear you answer this. So, what is it that makes someone LGBT or makes someone same-sex attracted or makes someone? Th- did they choose it? Is it something like this? Like, how do you answer that? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, I really, I really think that's an answer we have to get comfortable with, because I think, and and this is the nature versus nurture debate: nature being looking at genetic, biological causes; nurture being environmental, someone's upbringing and childhood, um, and. There are groups on either side and there's normal, normally bias going into research, you know, whichever direction it's going. Um, but I think we're very quick to want to figure out exactly why this happens, um, you know, and there's all kinds of political leanings towards that. But there is no proof out there for either. I mean, there's lots of things to suggest on both sides of the argument. Um, you know, we're really, I think, a long way from really providing any kind of conclusive proof. Um, you know, my personal experience is that it's, it's always been a part of me, so I ther- certainly think it's very plausible that there could be some kind of nature cause. I think there also could be maybe an environmental cause to bring that out. I mean, we really have no idea. But I think it's, um, it's important to realize that people don't choose this.
1: Mm. I
0: certainly never chose to feel like I want to put on a dress. Um, mm. This is just... Part of who someone is, wherever it may have come from, Mm. and so I think when we try to dig into causality, um, you know, I think we're kind of missing the point that no matter why this person feels this way, this is part of the experience, and this is the point, the place that they're at, where they need to be loved and shown understanding.
1: Mm. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, So okay, so then you're you're coming to church, you're walking in as Desiree, and then you're sitting down and looking at the Bible. And so what was it that you saw in the scriptures that you feel like really kind of led you to the decision now that you've made, um, you know, led you to change your convictions? Like, what does the Bible say about this issue?
0: Yeah, and I'd love to share some scriptures here. Um, First, I'd like to go to Genesis 127. So this reads, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so this is something that's so simple that we, we take for granted often. But for someone who, who is transgender, who feels this, this pull, you know, from, you know, coming from basically out of nowhere to live and, and be treated and identify as the sex opposite one's birth sex, there's a lot of turmoil in this scripture. Hmm. But really what helped me to see is, okay, God created them male and female. That was a very specific part of his creation, He very specifically created the two two sexes, and there were only two sexes that he created, and he created them very different, Mm. as husbands and wives can attest. So, this, yeah, you can laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I really saw that, okay, you know, there is a one or the other. And so, God either intends for me to be in one bucket or the other. And I don't think it's fluid. I don't see any evidence of it being fluid throughout someone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see any evidence of there being a choice as to either one. I see there being a specific intention from God. If we want to go to the next mm-hmm. one. So this is next chapter Genesis 2, 24. Genesis this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Again, very, very early on in the Bible, God, God basically explains the union of man and woman in marriage as he intended that that is, that is the union that he created and jesus again quotes this in matthew um so again this this really convicted me too okay men marry women that 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 is how god created uh it to be um such that you know if uh, and at the time when i was wrestling with this when i was feeling okay well, may, maybe I could be a woman and a Christian. I was like, okay, well, that means no more dating women. I got to cut that off because that—that's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there was a progression of how I how I saw things before God. Mm-hmm. Um, but then let's flip over to Romans. So in Romans, um, one eighteen through twenty seven, and I'm going to read this for you. Preparation is the key. <laughs> um so in romans 1 starting in verse 18 and this is going to be a little long but i'm going to pick out a couple points later the wrath of god is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about god is plain to them because god has made it plain to them For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women, and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men, and received in them the due, and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And so, when I look at this, and I'm going to pull out, uh, go back to verse Romans 1:20. So we're, where we see for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse I look and I see we can understand who God is you know his eternal power and divine his very divine nature and by extension his his will by what he has created hmm. and so I go back to Genesis Genesis 1, he created the male and female, and see, that is what he has created. And so he obviously cares about it a great deal. Mm. And in Genesis two twenty four, he created man and woman to be joined in union. He, crea- he cares about that a great deal. And so when that gets distorted, his very creation is what is being distorted. Mm. Mm-hmm. We'll skip down to 126 through 27. Story saying because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. I look at this and I see such clarity of how God views acting on same sex attractions. And I do want to be clear about that. It is not the having same sex attractions that is the problem. That is something that is not chosen. But the choice is to act on those same sex attractions. Mm-hmm. And I, that is what's being shown here in a very, thank you. That's being shown here in a very clear way um, that this is not viewed uh, in a positive light and in any way of a light of approval, and so it, it seems very clear to me here that that God intended for there to be no action on same sex attraction.
1: right. so but it's it, it's an interesting thing this because I'm thinking like, okay, so you're coming in, you're looking at these scriptures, you're seeing this. But then I can imagine that you're feeling like, okay, but this is kind of alarming, but I've felt this way for so long, and how can something that feels Right to me or feels natural to me. How do I reconcile that? You know uh, with with these scriptures If this has been an, a part of my identity all my life. What how do I deal with that? Absolutely
0: And one one scripture I really leaned on was psalm 139 13 through 14 For you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful. I know that full well and I look at this and I see God does not make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He makes us very specifically. And, you know, we, we look through the Bible, you know, we look at the man born blind and, and things like that. We see that, that people are born with challenges sometimes. And and that's not, you know, because of their sin or their parents. This is just a, a part of their life here on earth in this fallen world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had to realize, okay, for whatever reason, God God allowed me to go through this, mm-hmm. but I still see in his word one standard for everyone. Wow. I don't see a separate standard for myself that I can cling to and say, okay, I, I can go by that. I only see these scriptures about male and female. And so I have to wrestle with that. I have to wrestle with it said, you know, did God intend for me to live as a man or a woman? Because I think it, we have to say, did God what did God intend for us to live at? What is the greatest evidence of that? And I see, well, certainly the physical is a very strong argument. Certainly how he created physically is a, a very strong indicator of what he might intend. I mean, it seems like it would be the, the greatest evidence of what his intention would, would be for someone to live in, especially in view of all of society. So then what is the evidence of me, of God intending for me to live as a woman? Well, it comes down to what I'm feeling. Hmm. It, my feelings are what is telling me that this is this is how you should be living. That you would you would feel better living as a woman. You would feel better if others see you as a woman. You would be happy then. But I look at this next scripture in Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And as I wrestled with this, I realized I can't just follow my heart on everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because there's a lot in my heart that is going to take me away from what God wants for me. Because my heart is subject to sinful desire. Now, my heart can be made new. My heart can be made new by God. But if I'm just going to the the base state of it, if I'm just focusing on me and all that's just within me apart from God, it's not something pure. It's not something that I can trust. And so I saw... That I have to go by the evidence that I can see of how God made me. That I do believe he intended for me to live as a man and not as a woman for that reason.
1: Wow. Okay, so that, that brings us into that question we talked about earlier. So, like, what do you feel like that you had to repent of? What was the sin when you stopped living as Desiree, came back to living as Brandon?
0: Right. And I wrestled with this one for a while because, you know, when, we, when it comes to sin, we always want to label it. Yeah. You know, then, then we can understand it if we can label something. Um, and so for me, it was looking at the the description, saying, okay, this is what God intended for me, so this is how I should live, but what is the actual sin of going away from this? And really what I settled on is, well, if I am living according to me living as a woman, what I feel in my heart versus what I see in his creation, I'm really putting my feelings above his will. And anytime we're putting anything above God, That's really the heart of idolatry. right? And so that's what I realized for myself, that really my own desires had become my idol. I had become my own idol in fulfilling that in myself. And so that is what I had to repent of.
1: (laughs) That's so deep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My life. (laughs)
1: I mean, because that, that, that translates to everything, doesn't it? It's like, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be patient at home because, with my kids because I don't feel like it. You know? I mean, honestly, right? Isn't that what it comes down to? You know? I mean, what, what if I don't want to be pure in my thoughts? What, what if I want to lust? What if lust in the moment actually gives me a little bit of emotional release? You know? I mean, it feels good in the moment. But it, It's that feeling. Am I going to follow my feelings or, or am I really going to follow God and submit my will and my feelings to him? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so having to process all this. I mean, this is this is, you know, when, when you get down to all of this stuff <laughs> through all of the, this, you know, upper layer of where, where we categorize sin. Well, you have this sin, whether it's addiction or whether it's selfishness or whether it's pride, like it all. I mean, you, you, how all that stuff you get down further and further It just comes down to are we going to follow God or are we going to try to follow our own heart? And that does go all the way back to Genesis, and it's Adam and Eve in the garden, standing before, you know, with the communion with God, and God's like, just be with me. And they're like, no, I I don't think that I can trust you. I don't think that I can trust God to actually take care of me. I feel like I have to take care of myself. And that's what Adam and Eve did in the beginning, and that's what we all do with trying to meet these, uh, you know, really valid needs that we have, but we meet them in ways that are not necessarily healthy. Ways that are not necessarily – don't lead us to God. So, man, I'm not convicting. Yeah. I just convicted myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> it always works better that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, may, maybe quickly as we, we kind of wrap this up here, I want you to, to talk a little yeah. bit about how do you – show acceptance to people who are different than you. So you know, for, for maybe someone who has never struggled with same-sex attraction, never had anybody in their family like that, how do, how do you do that? Now, these, these concepts, I think, will apply to anybody, not, not just somebody in the LGBT community, but how do you do that? And then, specifically, go beyond that to then how can you reach out to the LGBT community? Maybe just talk a little bit about both of those.
0: Sure. Well, I think first we have to understand there's a difference between acceptance and approval. Mm-hmm acceptance is just making someone feel welcome, feel loved, no matter no matter what they believe and no matter what you believe. Approval is saying, okay, I agree with you in what you believe. Mm. I think we have to differentiate the two because sometimes we get so scared of showing approval that we end up not showing acceptance. We end up shying away from someone simply because we don't want to be... Considered from anyone who could be looking on as showing approval.
1: So, this is like, like going yeah. to uh, a gay wedding or something like that, which is a very controversial.
0: Yes, you know, issue. exactly. That's a, a huge one in on a lot of people's minds, um, and I, I think we have to boil down to you know what exactly are we doing in in our interaction with someone? Are we wanting to make them feel loved and supported while maintaining that we believe something different than them? For example, I have you know, great friends that are in the LGBT community, and we have a mutual respect for one another. There is no question about our love for one another. And we can have very deep, very pointed conversations about what each of us believes um, in terms of this area. But even still, there's no question that we hang out and there's going to be no shying away from one another in our friendship. And, you know, again, this is a controversial matter. I think everyone's got to come to their own place on this, but... My personal opinion is that, you know, if he got married, I would absolutely attend his wedding. And the reason I would do that is because I'm there to show my approval for my, or sorry, show my my, uh, acceptance, thank you, (laughs) acceptance for my friend, showing him that I am there to support him and love him and likewise support his partner to say that I want to be in both of your lives. And also, I'm there to say, you know what, I'm glad that you two have a friendship. I am there to applaud and support your friendship. The only problem I have is with your sexual union, and if that's what's on display at the wedding, I'm not gonna be there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hope any wedding you wouldn't be there anyway, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so I think we just gotta differentiate what exactly we're showing our approval versus acceptance of, and also just making sure that we are seeking to understand people where they're at, not right. putting labels on them, but really, really coming to them and say, you know what, I want to be a safe place for you. I don't want you to ever feel judged by me and feel like you can't talk to me about this just because we may believe different things. I genuinely want to understand where you're at and what you go through just to be your friend. So please, please if you would trust me enough to be able to share that with me, I would I would love to hear it anytime you want. And if you would like to hear feedback from a spiritual perspective, I would be happy to share that with you. But I know that we believe different things on this and I'm not just going to try to cram that on your throat just for my agenda. I really want to be your friend. And then also just understanding that before we could even have a conversation with someone about these scriptures and how it applies to their life, they have to believe the scriptures are real. They have to believe that they're the truth. They have to fall in love with Jesus and have a reason to believe them. So there's a lot of groundwork that we have to lay before we could ever get there in those conversations.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit too. Like you don't have to... Thank you, um, you, you when, when you're thinking about okay I want to reach out to someone in the LGBT community, sometimes that, that may not be the thing how about you just reach out to people uh, you know where, where, wherever they are, whatever the community and reach out to people because Jesus wants you to reach out to people and we're, our, our desire, our mission in life is just to, is to love people you know and so be, being able to approach it that way so I don't know that there's a specific strategy you know, for, for reaching out to that segment, you know, I mean, because then, then you, you are walking in with, you know, a, a very focused, but offensive agenda, you know, the gospel is offensive enough in and of itself, you know, I mean, the gospel offends people because it it forces them to look at like, this is really who I am and this is what I've done to Jesus, you know, and so, but then trying to balance that with how, then how do I, how do, how am I going to be offensive in the way that I'm bringing it about? I mean, this this is a lot of stuff. So we, uh, I have several more questions. We're planning on being here till three, Ruben, right? Okay, so settle in. Um, <laughs> actually, actually, we, I, 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 I don't want us to go on much longer. But clearly, this is this is a, a, an issue that can be talked about a lot. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff to really dig down into. Um, talk about what you do with strength and weakness.
0: Yeah, so Strength and Weakness is an international organization really founded within our churches by Guy Hammond. Um, and this ministry exists really to be a resource for disciples who are same-sex attracted or deal with, deal with transgender feelings, as well as family members who have you know, loved ones who are falling into the, one of those categories who want support and education, as well as just any Christian who just wants to know more about these areas and how to better reach out to people from these communities and be a support to them, both both support to our disciples, our fellow disciples in the church, as well as people outside the church. Um, and so I have the, the honor and privilege of leading the transgender ministry of Strength and Weakness, and this is our website strengthandweakness.org. Um, and if, if you've had the, the pleasure of Guy, seeing Guy Hammond speak, um, you know it's it's really amazing the groundwork he's laid. Um, myself and my other staff members, we really are, feel so honored to serve along with him. Um, I, do, I do just want to put this on your hearts for a moment. His wife, Kathy Hammond, um, many, many of you may know them. Um, she has been diagnosed with brain cancer and has been given a prognosis of about a year to live. Um, so I would ask for your prayers in that because I have, I have the shameless audacity to ask God for healing, and I would encourage you to have the same. But Amen. They are incredible, faithful people. It is an honor to serve with them in this ministry.
1: Amen. Um, well, Brandon, I just I, I want to say thank you for being willing to share your life, your story with all of us. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you very much.
1: sometimes when you, you feel like your heart is stirred, and it, but your brain gets cleaned a little bit. Like there's things that, you know, God, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. I love that feeling. So here, here's what I want us to walk out of here today with is, uh, oh, by the way, let me just throw this out there. Parents, uh, parents, teen workers, campus leaders, uh, this is an excellent book that I wanted to encourage you to get, not, not just about uh, sexuality, but it's called A Practical Guide to Culture. Helping the Next Generation Navigate Today's World. Highly recommend that you get this book and and start go, uh, reading this as a family. Uh, your family should uh, should go through it. Really, really, really helpful stuff. So that's just another tip for you right there. Here's where I want us to, to land today. A couple scriptures just for us to be thinking about at, as we deal with this. Because, uh, you know, I mean, we're always trying to figure out where does God want us to go. And we know uh, I was going to talk a little bit about the greatest commandment earlier, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then this... The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, you know, we know that Jesus teaches that our neighbor is anyone who is around us, anyone who is in need. And so as you reach out to people, no, no matter what their life is, no matter, uh, you know, you can categorize people as this kind of center or that kind of center or that kind of center, you know, always remember that you're also one of those kinds of centers. And you need to love people in the way that you would want to be loved, which that's obviously the, the golden rule. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And uh, this, this is the whole, like God is calling us to love him, to give ourself to him, and then to love other people. And th- this is what the gospel always comes down to. This is why we get together in church. You know, this is, this is not a social club is not just you know uh something that we you know oh i always grew up in church or i go here no we we do this because we're trying to learn to love god and we're trying to learn to love people and christians as christians we follow jesus right i wanted to read you this passage in john chapter 3 it said god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and this should be our message because this is what jesus message was right all the time is like i'm here to save you i didn't come to condemn you i'm here to save you yeah. now we choose if we're going to walk into that relationship with him but what the the church should be doing all the time is spreading this love of salvation spreading this message of grace spreading this incredible opportunity that we have to exist in communion with god and it's the story of the cross that really does that for us it's the story of the cross that brings it all together that we turned from god in the garden And we wanted our own way. But God sent his son back on this rescue mission to save us, to die on the cross and take the punishment for us that we all deserve. And it's these moments when we stop and remember that. That gives us what we need to be able to now go out into the world and love the people around us, love our neighbors who play music really late at night, love our bosses who are insensitive and, uh, you know, just absolutely unreasonable to deal with, to love the person on the freeway who cuts us off, Uh, to love our parents when they are setting what we think are unreasonable boundaries, Uh, to love our kids when they uh, don't realize how much we've done for them and and how much we've given up for them, Uh, to to love people of a different political persuasion, to absolutely love them. If, If they think differently about what's going on in the country than you do, do you love them? Uh, to love people who, who view God differently. What, what if somebody doesn't think that Jesus is, is a good story? Can you still love that person? Are you able to go? Yeah, well, this is what we do. We go back to the cross. And we think about what Jesus did for us. And we say, because of that, I can love. And we go out into the world and we spread the love of Christ. And as you do that, people will be. Just, see, God, God was bringing Brandon back to him. And when he walked into that church, what the Christians in the Orlando church did was they loved him with the love of Christ. And then God changed his heart, which is a beautiful thing. So your role is not to convince somebody that they're wrong in the way that they think. Your role is to love them with the love of Jesus and allow God to then move on and change their heart. So right now, amen. Right now we're going we're gonna to share communion together, and Christians have done this for 2,000 years. And Jesus asked at the end of his ministry, he said, don't, don't forget me. Actually, all the way through the story of God, he's been saying, remember what I did for you. He reminded the Israelites all the time, remember I brought you out of Egypt. Remember I, I brought you through the Red Sea. Remember. And Jesus said, I want you to remember me because it's by intentionally taking our minds back to why we believe what we believe. That's what helps us now to go out and be who we need to be. So this meal, this communion meal, is something that we do together. Now, if you're new to the church, you're just coming in, uh, you know. don't feel obligated to take it. This doesn't have to be for you. Nobody's going to judge you if you do or if you don't. But for those of us who are Christ followers, this is what we do together in a very special way every week so that we can remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So, Brandon, would you pray for us for communion? Absolutely.
0: Father, we are so thankful to be here today in fellowship. And- the body of Christ, Father, please help us to remember what that means, that this is a group of redeemed sinners, Father, who have been redeemed by the blood of your Son willingly shed on our behalf when we did not deserve it and never will. Father, we thank you so much that we come into contact with that blood over and over again to cleanse us, because we, we will sin continually, Father, so long as we're on this earth. We thank you so much for that precious gift. Mm-hmm. Father, please help us to always appreciate and proclaim that act of love, that perfect act of love of your son for us, and to want to show that love to others, Father. We are so grateful and humbled before you.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit
1: greaterlongbeachchurch.com.